This episode is brought to you by Thinknear. Their location score platform delivers the most accurate location targeting available on mobile. Visit them at locationscore.com. And by Pollen. Access your app store revenues faster and fund user acquisition straight away. To sign up, go to pollen.vc. and welcome to Untethered.tv. I'm your host and founder, Rob Woodbridge. It's been over a year, over a year, and this is the fourth time, four years in a row, that I've had this guest on. We are going to be discussing, really, the state of radio. Now, radio is so expansive now. It does. It not only includes the stuff that you used to listen to in your house, in your kitchen. Remember those dials that you used to turn or the digital dials? But then you got into your car and you listened to the radio. But then it also went into satellite radio. And now, of course, there's internet radio. And then, oh, by the way, paid for radio stations like RDO and Spotify or services like those guys. Uh, and uh, we're going to dive into this. And one of the big theses of this entire conversation is this. Hey, you know those things that were free, that thing that was free, radio, where people were making money off of radio. Now that we all pay for radio, how come they're not making money? We're going to get into that right now with Patrick Reynolds, who is the chief strategy officer for Triton Digital, buried under snow, but at least sans mustache for the first time in four episodes. <laughs> Patrick, welcome back, man. Thank you so much. It's nice to be here and to be uh, semi-clean shaven. I don't recognize you. I don't recognize myself anymore. <laughs> so this is it. That's a deeper conversation. Right? I feel like Jack Nicholson at the end of The Shining in the maze scene where I'm just sort of rocking myself. Uh, yeah. You know, it, it, it's so funny because just the timing, right? Uh, I don't know, who, you know, uh, what the timing was, but we always managed to connect in November, which is, of course, Movember, and you uh, always participated in that. And so I've never seen you without a mustache. Just pictures. This year, I just wrote a check, Rob. For everyone's <laughs> benefit, I just wrote the check. Well, we had conversations around, uh, yeah, like it, it just mustaches aren't pretty. There's just a few guys that can carry it off. Magnum PI and and who else? That's it. Short list, I think. Charlie yeah. Chaplin, maybe. I don't know. I don't know about that either. But uh, yeah. So uh, welcome, Patrick. Thank you for doing this. Uh, one of the things that everybody should know, as I am a Canadian, is that uh, Triton is not only based in the United States. You have a pretty big operation inside of Montreal, don't you? 150 plus people sitting in in Montreal. So, yeah. Yeah. So you are propping up the Canadian economy as well. We really appreciate that. And I am a half Canadian myself, so I uh, I'd love to give uh, my brothers from north of the border uh, some love. Sweet, sweet. But you are hogging all the snow down there, aren't you? I am indeed. Turtabot is fair play, right? <laughs> oh my goodness. Send some up this way, would you? Canadian skiers aren't getting anything. Thank you. Well, we are here uh, to talk about really about what what has happened in the last year in uh, this radio station and uh, in this radio world because you know big things have happened. Big things have happened, starting obviously with Taylor Swift, and and we'll have that conversation, and also the migration to paid radio, which is crazy to me. And I got a mea culpa that's going to be coming up in a little while because I think you told me in one of our previous episodes, oh just wait, well just wait. You may think that it's dumb right now, but you will at one point be paying for radio, and uh, well. I am paying for radio. So we'll talk about that in a second. But before we do, talk about Triton. What are you guys? A little refresher. Well, we are a kind of a mid-stage technology provider to the radio and audio space. 
Uh, we provide everything from the measurement that uh, radio publishers, whether they're pure plays like Pandora's or people like that, or radio stations proper need to to properly measure their audiences online for the purposes of transacting commerce with advertisers. So we give a MRC accredited stamp that says you have X number of listeners uh, and they then take that to their agencies and get compensated uh, off of those numbers. We also do, uh, we're, obviously we're a technology player, so we make technology that enables for one-to-one -one advertising. So uh, if you are listening to a station uh, in Ottawa, you would get one commercial if your wife uh, is listening in her office, uh, also in Ottawa, she would get uh, conceivably a completely different commercial that would be more relevant and appropriate for her, and so on and so forth. So it's taking that audience and giving true one-to-one -one messaging based on what we know about the person on the other end of the line, if you will. Uh, and we generally know that through registration and other forms of things where we know that, Rob, you are an adult male between 25 and 54 in Ottawa, so on and so forth. So we can parse that audience to be entirely relevant so there's no waste for an advertiser. So you're only paying for what you really need and our technology helps enable that. It's amazing. Certainly that one-to-one that one one relationship is so very important. I, I can't stress it enough is that uh, I have, uh, I, I think, let me, let me rephrase this. Are the times of the jingle that I hear on the radio all the time, you know, that repetitive nature of the jingle that is just broadcasting and trying to hit that 10% of the 5% of the market that would be interested in Windows, for example, is that, are those days gone? Are they, are they inching out so that I will hear exactly the message that I need to hear? Well, you're always going to balance scale with precision, right? So if you're too targeted, you're only kind of preaching to the converted yep. and you're not able to grow your business. So you're always going to want to be, you know, a little bit outside of the of the circle, but I think you're going to find, you know, the age-old example that my uh, former uh, former boss David Verklin said many years ago, which is, you know, you don't want to sell cat food to dog lovers. So I think you're going to get to a place where, you know, things that are just lost on people will be largely eliminated, and you'll have people that may not be ideal candidates but are suspects to buy a product that they'll be getting things that are relevant. Well, so what what is the state? of this world we call radio because it has broadened that that, that it, it's no longer just about AM and FM bands is it um, what is the state of radio over the last year is it is it improved has it diminished I mean there's some, been some big announcements that have happened controversies as well yeah I mean I think it really depends Rob on kind of what end of the telescope you're looking through so I would say that there's never been a better time to be in the kind of radio or audio space You've got massive consumer adoption. You've got techni uh, technology that's enabling a fantastic product out there. You've got a real interest from an advertising perspective in audio-based uh, content. All those are great things. Now, if you have pinned your hopes and hitched your wagon to a tower-based delivery system, things are probably less good, still good, but less good than they were last year as those things kind of... Uh, uh, give way to, to digital forms of transmission. But really, if you step back, you have an audience that loves you, you have an audience that's often willing to pay for your content as opposed to years past. It's growing leaps and bounds. It's only becoming more enabled with uh, more sophisticated technology led by mobile. What's not to like? I think that it's just more competition, isn't it? I mean, what, what I see happening in my local stations is that the, the value of the local station 
from a from a, a purely music standpoint is diminished quite a bit simply because of all of these technologies right is that i can i can tune into any radio station perfect example so we i took my kids i packed them into the car this summer and we drove off to uh the eastern part of canada so nova scotia we went into uh, uh prince edward island and there was this great radio station on pei that we listened to just on the radio right? we just listened to the whole time and it was just it was like that 80s you know hits and everything that was a great radio station but then we left pei and we said goodbye to the radio station and then as i'm driving through halifax or through nova scotia and i'm like wait a second wait wait, wait, wait a second i have this thing called a mobile phone i have tune in radio let's just go over here and then we listen basically to the pei station the whole time right it was absolutely incredible we love this radio station um but that's what i see so now we're back here in ottawa and guess what i'm listening to that pei radio station completely omitting my local station they're laying off people left right and center so that's the perspective i get from the tower standpoint and tune in i'm not even paying anybody on tune in for their uh, for their service so it's perplexing to me. Is it perplexing to you? Perplexing? Who uses that word? It's downright confusing, and I know you're going to want to stick around for Patrick's answer, but we need to get paid, so here is a little message from our sponsor, ThinkNear. It is time to talk to you about our sponsor, ThinkNear. I guess I could tell you what they do, but I like to put people on the spot. So I asked a bunch of ThinkNear employees what their company does. My name is Lauren Hilberg, and I am the president and general manager of ThinkNear. I'm John Hinnigan. I'm the VP of software engineering for ThinkNear. Lucas Dickey is my name, and I am vice president of product at ThinkNear. Brett Cohn, I am the VP of marketing for ThinkNear. ThinkNear is a location-based advertising network. Um, I was described as being you know, location-based advertising, so hitting the right user, um, at the right place with the right message. So ThinkNear is a technology platform that focuses on mobile advertising. We specialize in delivering advertising solutions uh, for our customers that focus on location. We provide our clients and customers a great opportunity to get their advertising directly to the individuals who are most likely to act on it, primarily based on where they are at the time they receive the advertising. At our core, what we're trying to do is connect brands and agencies with mobile consumers on their phones. Not so bad, but how about you give it to us in plain English? So with my wife and her friends who don't really get into the, the how the sausage is made, I'm like, you know, when you get the message that seems to be um, exactly what you, you are near or whatever seems to suggest to you that, hey, you should be doing this thing or taking advantage of this thing because it's nearby, that's us. Um, I say, you know, they'll go, that seems a little creepy. And I'll say, well, you're also more likely to engage with the thing that resonates with you too, right? And they go, yeah, that's true. So I think, you know, there's the market catching up to the creepy factor, um, but also making sure that the message, you know, resonates with them. And if it doesn't, then they're, you know, it's not going to get their attention. So that's what we do. And now you know how the Think Near sausage gets made. And now back to Patrick Reynolds of Triton Digital. It's perplexing to me. Is it perplexing to you? Well, it is and it isn't. So again, let's look at the, the glass is half full. Uh, means that technology and digital has enabled you to listen to basically whatever you want to, whenever you want to, so however you want to. So you can listen to it. In my house, you know, I have five different zones of Sonos. So. I can listen to uh, BBC, I can listen to WXRT from Chicago, I can listen to W uh, 
XYZ from wherever. Uh, I can listen to Ottawa, I can listen to PEI, I can listen to whatever I want to. In a different room, my wife can listen to something different. In my kids' rooms, they can all listen to whatever they want to do. How can that be anything other than great? Awesome. You're creating content that now has truly worldwide global access. If the content is good and people love it, they can listen to you whenever they want to. Go back 10 years and you could only do that if you could you know, see the tower in... Uh, you know, wherever you were in PEI, yep. which is a great, you know, the end of Green Gables house had a tower on top of it. Exactly. And you could see it, you could listen to it, but if you couldn't, you couldn't. So yep. now technology has said you can listen to that whenever, wherever. That's a great thing. I, I agree. I now, agree. it has challenged, though, business models that were long held and worked quite well for many, many decades. And, you know, so that's a problem. But the good news is this is all, none of this is particle physics. It will get worked out. There are clear lines of trade uh, being established. There is an established protocol for how to transact. And there's now a measurement system and, and processes in place that make it all very kind of grown up. It's not the wild, wild west anymore when you know, maybe Pandora first burst on the scene. Now, things like programmatic are becoming a large piece of audio. It's just becoming very mature, but it's different. Uh, and different is painful sometimes, but I think everyone, even on the traditional side, is making that transition and starting to see real real revenue and real volume. I, 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 I love it because you're right. And I, I never saw the tremendous value. I have an extensive record collection. I have an extensive, as you can see, CD collection, right, that, I've, that haven't been touched. I have an extensive MP3. I spent time converting it. I bought tons of music. And then, uh, you know, I, I signed up when, when uh, Spotify came into Canada. I signed up for a 30-day trial, and I haven't looked back because uh, music on demand and, and the ability while I'm in the gym to just hit shuffle and just play music that, will, that I haven't heard in 15 years or that, you know, somebody else that, I'm, that I know is listening to really has changed my view. It makes, made me, and you said this, I think, episode two or three that we did, that it will, you know, I'll grow to appreciate music again because I think I said to, to somebody the fact that I don't listen to music anymore. Well, I do now, and it's great. Um, it's mostly Uptown Funk by Bruno Mars because of my kids, but I have the ability to do that. So the the world has changed dramatic, uh, dramatically uh, when it comes to that in my world and and everybody else's world. But I I am I'm so perplexed by the business models that emerge from this because to me it sounds like those those guys who are who built the towers are now scrambling because they have become, in essence, roadkill or commodity to what is going on uh, from a device or from, from the internet. And maybe that's a little extreme, but I, I see it. I tune in less and less to my local stations and more and more to the ones that are in the ether. So am I wrong there? You, you know, are, are these guys going to go out of business? I, I wouldn't say that you're wrong. I would say that this statement is maybe overly broad. So I like to generalize. We're They're all dead. Great content that's tower-based, as in your um, your example from PEI. Yep, uh, it's a great thing, and they'll actually be able to expand their audience. So you're going to reach more people because you are now within earshot of the entire globe. So if you have great content that is worth seeking out and listening to, I think you're going to do very well. If you're kind of phoning it in with very pedestrian content you're going to have a hard time because really it, it, when you and I perhaps uh, were kids, maybe you could get eight or ten stations dialed in. Uh, maybe, right? I'm in and Ottawa, right? We had one. Yeah. So you have your 
you know, you'd have one that was sort of pop music, you'd have one that would be uh, alternative, you'd have a classical, you'd have a public, a country, and a couple other things that nobody even wanted to get to know, right? right. So you had kind of very, very narrow options. So consider the car today. So, and then you went on your road trip with your family, right, and the family truckster you got in, and there was three or four things, a sports station, listen to the game or whatever, and you'd fight about what do we listen to. And it, as you went over a hill, it would go away, and you'd move into the next town, and you'd, you know, now you can listen to whatever you want, whatever you want, in that dashboard of the car. And I think that's the thing that is going to really be incredibly transformative, where now you can listen to Pandora if you're in the U.S. or, or a few other countries. You can listen to Spotify. You can listen to the U.K. You can listen to Canada. You can listen to the United States. You can listen to Brazil. You can listen to, not to be lost in all this, one of the things that really made big media of all kinds, television, radio, print, and all that, uh, so powerful and so financially uh, powerful, as we mentioned you know, back in the day, was there was sort of a tyranny because the, the, the costs associated with creating content and distributing it were so massive. You only had three or four or five people that could do it, right? Every town had one or maybe two papers if it's a really big town, a handful of radio stations, et cetera, et cetera. Now, if you have a computer and a phone line, and uh, a little bit of wherewithal, you can be, have a radio station. There are people that are starting radio stations with one or two or three people that have really, really big audiences. Yes. Uh, check out Spatial. Uh, Spatial Audio is a company out there that's got thousands of people that are broadcasting to you know smaller groups of people oftentimes, but you can start a station like this, just like you can create a blog and you don't need printing presses. So you have this access to everything, and that's the good thing. But the bad thing is when there's too much choice and it's unfiltered, you can get lost in the details, right? That's right. where something like iHeartRadio in the U.S., something like TuneIn, does a really nice job of kind of bucketing stations together either by format or geography or past listening. They can make it a little bit more navigable for you so it's not just the wild, wild west of a billion stations out there. But just think about that change. When you get into your car now, and whether it's Bluetooth, tethering to your phone, or actually you have a, a modern dash, you can listen to a billion stations as opposed to three, four, five, or six. It's true. And it, and it seems like there's a migration, especially here in Ottawa. I don't know what it's like around the, the world, but the migration is to country radio stations. Like It is very popular country music in the new country. So all of these hard rock and alternative radio stations are turning over to country, right? So you start to lose the diversity because the traditional stuff, like the 80s and 90s and the whatever hits, 80s, 90s and O's, right? They're not as popular these days as the country is. So they move to where the money is. And it just seems like, you know, these people, little kids chasing a ball around right and the ball is where the revenue is and it's getting smaller and smaller or there's more and more people around it I, I i agree there's never been a better time to be a content creator in this world you know right now is the most incredible time it's also the most daunting because of distribution and ability to get in front of as many people but i i, I just i keep thinking back to like pump up the volume and christian slater and his pirate radio station and we are right in the middle of that aren't we we are living it every day yeah, nobody now, trying to shut you down though Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, again, it's never been a better time to reach the audience, but the thing that has to get worked out and sussed out, and we've talked about this now, I think this is the fourth time, the <laughs> situation yes. has to get worked out so that you can actually make money doing this. Because if you want to do it as a little bit of a hobby and have a couple hundred people listening to your station, no problem. If you want to have a couple hundred thousand and actually make a go of this, which I would encourage, we have to create a, a system 
whereby it's financially possible for you to do that. And if there's a disparate uh, methodology of, of calculating performance royalties between over-the-air and digital, we're never going to have that. And so we have to get that piece worked out. And the good news is we're moving closer and closer to that. <laughs> so that if you listen to the Tragically Hip on your mobile, it's the cost. If you listen to it on your desktop, it's the same cost. If you hear it on the terrestrial radio in your car, it's the same cost. That's critically important. We have to have a level playing field so when people listen to content, it's the same. The artist gets paid the same, the labels get paid the same, and everybody uh, can make money at this. But if one side is paying and the other side's not, try to figure out who's going to be in it for the long haul. So is that what happened with Taylor Swift? Like Taylor Swift very, very publicly broke up. It was Spotify that they broke up with, right? That she broke up with? And, and she just basically abandoned it. And, um, and you know, uh, from what I read, there was two camps is that she was making millions of dollars from Spotify or had the potential to make millions of dollars from her catalog of songs and her popularity. But what she was foregoing as a result of making those millions were millions more, right, that she wasn't making as a result. Um, but is that at the root of it is why, is why she decided that, look, I'm done. This is it. I'm not coming back to these guys. Well, obviously, she made the calculus that she could make more not being on Spotify than she could being on Spotify, yep. and God bless, that's one thing. I would say, uh, as I've grown older, uh, older and arguably a little bit wiser, you know, methinks there's maybe more to it than just uh, righteous indignation on behalf of artists everywhere. <laughs> I don't know if you saw this week that Apple announced that they would, in fact, be buying the label that Taylor is on, and so those could be correlated, one could argue. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, look, there, I've done many, many panels around the world with artists that are smaller artists and say, you know what, people would never have heard of us right. if it wasn't for uh, Spotify. In fact, I think it's right now, Ed Sheeran's got a campaign for Spotify in the UK I saw that said, Spotify made me who I am. Mm -hmm. I mean, they literally made me. People never would have heard of me if it weren't for that. So for every Taylor Swift, there's other people that say that. And, you know, that's okay. But to me, the larger point is you shouldn't take your content away from here and put it over there thinking that you should make more money because you should make the same amount of money. Right. It shouldn't be a question. It, it shouldn't, shouldn't be, be a question. Right. So why take it away from fans here and put it for fans there because of economies? That doesn't, I don't think that's, I don't think that's fair. You know, and, and maybe it has something to do with Apple and Beats, right? And, and their, their streaming service and maybe there's something in there. But, but um, you know, it always fascinates me when I hear things like that because there is an ability to be discovered as a result of these new tools. Before, it was a walled garden. So I come from the old J2ME days in mobile, right? When we built mobile games, we had to go through the carriers and the carriers had, had these walls that you had to climb and they were impenetrable. And the lucky few that got in made a lot of money and the, the rest of us didn't. And we actually got into a few ca Canadian carriers and we saw the spoils. But it's the same thing with radio stations, right? Is that you had to get in, you had to get on the playlist, you had to have enough PR and enough money to be able to do that to discover. And now these new services, you know, exactly like Ed Sheeran, can, you can get discovered because it's not hard to get involved and get on them. You, and then you can focus on doing what you do best, which is produce great music, uh, great, great, great music, and, and help promote your music uh, through, these, through their audiences, right? Uh, I totally agree. And yeah. listen, not everybody's going to get on terrestrial radio. You know, the thing yeah. about terrestrial radio is, like I said, you know, there's 24 hours in a day everywhere on this earth. You have X number of commercials that you're going to play, and there's only room for X number of, uh, of songs. And so if you're Taylor Swift, you're going to be in that mix if you're on a pop station. But if you're artist, you know, 15 or 16, you may never get 
uh, you know, played over the air because there's just not enough time. There's nothing there. Yeah. So, you know, Spotify, Pandora, Slacker, Deezer, I could go on and on and on. These guys have all uh, really opened up a world of possibilities for artists that never would have existed if they had just to rely on, uh, on terrestrial radio. They'd be just living uh, off of a, computer, a, a purely, um, you know, sort of a touring and merch uh, revenue stream. And that's difficult to do. You know, there's a lot of ham sandwiches in the back of a van when you live that lifestyle. Well, it makes me wonder, uh, you know, is, are we clinging on to this business model, this old business model, too long when it comes to radio? You know, advertisement-based and, and royalty-based uh, for, you know, for song plays, like we've been talking about here. But getting a, even on, uh, on equal uh, payment terms across all channels... Is it just an old business model? And are, should we be looking for different things? Like, I, I'm a Springsteen fan. I don't hide it. That guy is known, right? He is a guy that I, I ask this question to everybody. It's like, if you um, saw Sam Smith, uh, if you mentioned his name in the slums of India, uh, would they know who he is? Or would you, if you said Bruce Springsteen, would they know who he is? And I'm not sure that they would know either, but I'm fairly certain that they would know Bruce Springsteen. Somebody would. Um, he, here's a global uh, dominant performer for so many years, for 50 years. The guy goes out on tour uh, and and he'll collect three hundred million dollars in tour revenues, right? And his album will do, you know, eighty million dollars in revenue. So his money is really out, you know, in, in touring and merchandise. Is and now he's opened up his back catalog so that he's selling that as well. So he's he's obviously, you know, this next generation of of a musician would look at that and say, okay, well, here's where the money is made. It's not in the albums. It's not in distribution. It's in it's in touring and merchandise or some other business model. Is it time to look at a new business model for the industry? Well, I mean, far be it for me to say what I would chalk all that up into, uh, you know, under the heading of that's why they make chocolate and vanilla. You know, I mean, there's people <laughs> that are going to do great doing it the old way, uh, you know, so Prince said at the Grammys the other night, you know, um, you know, records still matter, albums still they matter. They tell us a great story. You're and right. for yeah. a lot of people, they do. Mm-hmm. However, for a lot of people, they don't. There's a very iterative process where you make a song, you put it up on Spotify and your digital outlets, and that's how you do it. There's not conceptually linked. They're just, I came up with an idea. Uh, with Pro Tools and things that Apple makes, you know, you can record that and get, I mean, you can literally in a week have something up and, and that's what works for them. And so I don't think there's any kind of one size fits all approach, but I will say that artists have to be fairly compensated so that they can continue to make art. There's absolutely no totally agree that. But how they go about doing that, I think there's a number of different paths you can take if you're a more mainstream artist. Maybe the, you know, the, the protocols that have existed for a long time will work for some time into the future. But if you're maybe more emerging, maybe there's better and different ways to do that. That's really for the artists and the labels to get worked out. And but the question of labels is, is really a valid one. So just like you know, the idea of it being somewhat tyrannical to have middlemen in the film business or the radio business or whatever, where you have to lobby somebody to play your music as opposed to going direct, labels probably fall under the same head. Sure. What value is a label providing that Taylor Swift can't do herself direct to uh, a digital player? Well, it certainly has democratized that. It, 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 uh, to me, it's turned all of those old ways of doing business. Maybe it hasn't uprooted, or turn, but it has definitely uh, had a huge impact on them. Because I, I look at guys like my heroes, right? They're a little bit older. They're a little bit wiser, a little bit fatter, a little bit grayer. You know, like in, in Steve Earle. Um, Here's a perfect guy who has embraced social media. And I'm saying Taylor Swift has embraced social media, right? If it's disingenuous or not, she did that whole Christmas uh, present uh, distribution with it. And that, that just, 
scored her legions of, uh, of free PR. But Steve Earle has always been this working man, uh, you know, musician, and it's about the music for him. And so what does he do? I, I love this. He's put out such great albums, but he doesn't sell a lot of albums. He tours small venues, but he'll do this workshop once a year. He'll, you know, charge 2000 bucks, and you can go for a week and hang in the Catskills with Steve Earle and learn music making and, and learn how to, you know, write songs and do instrumentation. And to me, you know, he maybe takes 10 people a year, but there's a new stream of revenue for Steve Earle that brings him closer to his fans and also, uh, you know, allows him to share his expertise for a cost, right? And I, I, so they are branching out, these guys, looking at alternative ways other than distributing distribution through the radio or, or through digital means, right? I like that. Uh, I think it's great, and in a lot of ways, it's back to the future. I mean, <clears throat> first of all, El Corazon is one of the greatest records ever. Ever, ever of all time. Ever. We should just stop right now. That, End of interview. Done. That is not up for discussion. No. But a lot, if you think about this, uh, you know, you look at like the Old Town um, School of Music in Chicago that sort of does folk workshops for people. Yep. That's always been the way that the majority of, you know, John Prine, that the majority of artists have made a living is they sell a few records, they tour a lot, maybe they write a lot for other people. Uh, you know, you look at people, uh, you know, Paul Westerberg has written for Glenn Campbell. I mean, yeah. you just have to get creative if you don't mind the expression about it, unless you're a really mainstream act, because it's, it's hard to make a lot of money unless you're at that real tip top of the house. It's fascinating to think about the the guys who have had longevity, the artists who have had longevity and and music cares just honored Bob Dylan. Right. And Bob Dylan, I mean, he's been doing this for 60 years. And, and maybe you're right. We're hearkening back to that early time in the 50s and the 60s when musicians had to hump to get their to get their to make a living. They earned they earned it like Bob Dylan would play, you know, 17 shows. The Beatles would play 16 shows a week. Right. And 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 th this was earned, earned, earned. And you can show you can see that in the longevity. Because here they are, fifty or sixty years later, still playing like the Rolling Stones and the Who and these guys. Maybe they've lost a couple of a little bit of their edge, but they're still playing. Uh, even ACDC, right? So uh, maybe that's what's what we're changing into. You know, uh, the eighties and nineties were those big contracts, distribution agreements with um, you know monopolies in the radio station world, and now we're starting to diffuse that. So great artists have to find new ways to get in front of their audience as well as uh, as on mainstream and and uh, digital radio. Yeah, you know, if, if you take the case of ACDC, they're sort of uh, whom I love dearly. Yeah. yeah. Dearly. Uh, but I think they've really, uh, I think they've missed the boat entirely on digital. So yes, yes. For the, if they uh, play the Grammys, and uh, I suppose uh, much has been made about them having to read the teleprompter for their own lyrics. But Come on. It's been a, Springsteen been does that. He's, they're they're old, guys, you know. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I think it would have been so much more beneficial had they released some of those tracks in advance of the show so that when they opened up the Grammys with the song that nobody's ever heard of and consequently everybody's just standing there looking at each other like I, I don't know a word of this, I don't know what the riff is, I don't know where the guitar is, I don't know anything about this and it was really kind of awkward and painful to be through. <laughs> it was tough to watch. I think that's hard. But, and so they didn't have it in advance of that, even just that one single, right? Yeah. And also after the show people couldn't shazam it and listen to it in their Spotify or you, know, you had to buy it. I just think it's a missed opportunity. I think maybe you don't have to put all your catalog, and again, I don't want to speak for artists, and, and I really don't, but if it were me, maybe I'd put some of my catalog out there, and then if you want to buy the whole thing, you, you would have to buy it, not stream it. 
but there has to be a way with, that you harness and you use technology to advance your artistic causes, but just putting your head in the sand and pretending like digital and technology doesn't exist, I just don't see as a sustainable practice for the most. I, I agree. I agree. Like I, I think back to uh, Metallica and and Napster, right, and and uh, suing the users, going after the users as well as Napster. Uh, you know, there's there's probably better ways to do this. I always I always wonder though, is when it comes to this 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 music distribution uh, through all of these different mechanisms, uh, is there those radio stations that are kicking back and, and waiting for the, I, I think, the axe to fall. Uh, they keep laying people off. That's what we see anyways. Uh, should they be looking at alternative businesses that they should be buying? Like, I, I sit down. I have a, a good friend of mine is uh, VP of sales for uh, Bell Glow Media, right? So it's a big, and they own hundreds of radio stations across this country. And I sit down with them, and, and I say, like, why aren't you guys looking at podcast networks or things that are emerging in the world, right? We've seen that with this serial podcast and startup podcast that... All of a sudden, it's top of mind. It's CNN worthy, so to speak. Why aren't they looking at these new forms of content creation to be able to bring them on as to supplant what, you know, maybe some of the lost revenue that they would have uh, as a result of this new digital world? Do, do you ever think about that? Is that something that is, is, is an idea or is that silly? Not silly. Um, I think there are many traditional broadcasters, hopefully your friend included, yep. who are doing about it, who are not only thinking about it, they're making major investments in that. And you have to also consider that you know, the stations that you can access on TuneIn or iHeartRadio, whatever the case is, you, know, there's, that's, you don't just light that up. There's a little bit of work that goes sure. into making your stuff available there. Having said that, I think it's, uh, you know, it's not a hugely long putt to make either. What I would like to see is... So, one of the things that traditional radio has always had uh, for its fans is its localness. So somebody that really gets the cadence and the, like the accent, if you will, of Ottawa, sure. as opposed to Montreal, as opposed to Moncton or yeah. another place, right? So uh, the, the, the localness and speaking with that flavor and really having a handle on that community has always been a major, major advantage that traditional radio has had as expressed through their personalities. The other thing that they've had is that, that spoken word. Some people, and a significant number of people, really like the good bits of talk. They like the jock banter back and forth, and they really enjoy that stuff. So to me, what would be interesting is if that was recorded live every day and immediately put up on their site or somewhere on iTunes, can be anywhere, as downloadable podcasts. Mm -hmm. Here's the 10 best minutes of today's show. For people that are at the gym that missed it, that had something going on, like me trying to just shovel out your driveway, I, I don't have time. To, I would have liked to have gone back real quick and said, "Oh, that was a you know that was a good bit. I'd like to listen to that." So time shifting live content, putting it in a capsule and putting it up on a shelf for anybody to pull down on any device whenever they want to seems like a really smart application of technology. Even if you're a very live traditional oriented broadcaster. I think that would be something that would be really beneficial and you know, perhaps financially lucrative. If you pull down a podcast, you know that's one impression. Yes. You know who pulled it down, on what device, if they listen to it. There's a lot that you know about there and that all has value for advertising. You know, it's so fascinating because you're so right. It's more it's it's inherently more measurable. Maybe the numbers are are, are, are much truer than you would get from from traditional radio um, and, and the numbers that they collect. But it, it is fascinating. What do we see right now? Radio stations that I used to listen to, they'll throw up their shows 
right? So, but they'll throw up the whole three and a half hour live show and they'll think, okay, digital done. We're, that's our, we got a podcast because we just took our three and a half hour contextually relevant at that moment, but not relevant a day later content and put it up and say, okay, there we go. We've got a podcast. Uh, but I like your idea much more about saying, okay, let's just take the bits out that maybe can last a little bit longer than a day, the highlights from the show, the things that don't that don't expire, right? Um, and, and get those up in a podcast form and, and then allow people to summarize 15 minutes a day of what it is that we're doing. I think that's a very interesting idea. You know, and that's curation. And that's yeah. what the best publishers are doing. And I'll give you a very real-world example uh, of a slightly uh, negative context, so bear with me. But All right. Via TuneIn, I followed uh, quite closely, uh, I believe it was CBC, but forgive me if I'm wrong, uh, the, the terrible tragedy that you had uh, in Ottawa. Yep. So I thought, well, I really am curious as what's going on with that, and then I want to know in real time, and I think the best way to do that would be to go to the source. It wouldn't be to listen to NPR in the U.S., as great as it is. It would be, well, let me talk to somebody who I presume to be quite close to the scene, a local in, uh, in Ottawa. Now, if I couldn't do that in real time, maybe I didn't find out about it, I would like to pull down that broadcast, but I don't need the ums and the stammers and we thought this and we were, just give me Thanks. that real gold. Give me the gold and separate the wheat from the chaff. Give me the real stuff that allows me to have a very cohesive, articulate, curated experience that I go, wow, I am so much better for having listened to that. Don't, but get rid of the non-essentials. Yeah. Well, they didn't do that. There was mass confusion on that day, that's for sure. The radio did not do such a great job of, of containing it. By the end of the day, we knew what was going on. Uh, but most of it was done over text messaging and, and other forms of media that, that emerged. Uh, and it certainly was a, uh, a pretty harrowing time. But you're right. Like Those are the things that we're looking for. You know, they've talked about, uh, they've taken news. Um, we have hour-long news at 6 o'clock, and they've truncated that to, to 30 minutes because they think our attention span is low. It's just know that the content isn't great, right. and it only takes 30 minutes. In fact, it should only take 10, right, uh, to get to get us the news. And then if we want to, we can opt to go deeper, and I think that exactly. that's the big thing. What about, you did this, you wrote this great article for VentureBeat, and, and, and I have to bring it up here because you kind of, it was around the Grammys, and you, you kind of highlighted some of the key things that have happened in the last year. Uh, some controversial, some uh, emerging technologies, some, uh, you know, up-and-coming services, and I want to go through this a little bit with you uh, to, to finish off what we're talking about here around some of the things that happened last year. Aside from the fact that we are paying now for services, for, for to listening to music, um, and nobody's making money yet. And uh, there's a whole bunch of business models that are uh, either emerging or that are dying on the other end. And, and we're trying to figure all that out. But there were some big events this year. And you listed a couple of them. Like, uh, obviously, we've talked about Taylor Swift. We've, um, we haven't talked about the thing that, uh, that you two did, which was to, you know, a very, I thought, hey, from a business standpoint, this is absolutely freaking brilliant on everybody. Who doesn't like you too? Who doesn't want a free album from you too? But it turns out, that many people don't and don't, right? That they felt that this was uh, Apple and U2 shoving it down their throat and how dare that they even think about giving me a, you know, a $20 value for free. I don't want it. And, uh, and it cost, ended up costing Apple hundreds of millions of dollars in PR and U2 in the same amount and, and technology. But uh, was, that wasn't the biggest controversy of the year, was it, in your, in your opinion? I would say it was not the biggest, but it was significant, and yes. it just shows the peril of um, of digital. And by that I mean, you can do things very quickly, 
and at great scale in digital that you can't do in an analog Great world. point. Great point. Right? So if uh, I was going door to door in Ottawa, <laughs> dropping off uh, the U2 CD in the milk box, uh, <laughs> you know, it would take me a few blocks before people start chasing me down and throwing it at me saying, I don't want this shite. Get it away from me. Okay? Yeah. I'd say, well, you know, maybe this is not a good idea. <laughs> If I put it in everybody's, uh, you know, on everybody's front step around the country, um, what you can do with digital, you see that, you know, things can go uh, in either direction quite quickly and with great speed. But it really was a good idea, wasn't it? I personally think it's a a great idea. Uh, You know, uh, they didn't force you to listen to it. I just don't (laughs) really see the negative about it and I think that's one of the things again that you know as the world gets more and more commingled where digital content is inextricably linked with social media right so a lot of people you'll follow my Spotify list on Facebook you can see what I'm listening to and all that and as those worlds merge you get the good and the bad with it so if something's great it spreads like wildfire throughout the blogosphere and the social web right if something irritates three people and they say something pithy and three other people take it and repo- and all of a sudden the whole world thinks you two are a bunch of uh, commies for force feeding this record down our throats. And it just is kind of absurd at some point. I just, it's just so fascinating that uh, the way that people reacted to that. Uh, but that was, a, that was a big story and so was Taylor Swift. But you also mentioned in this, like, I just, I'm, I'm floored, you know, because if we got a coupon in the mail, and uh, we would be like, oh, my God, this is the greatest thing ever. Thank you. But they just omitted all of that thing and just put a link, download it. That is, but it also shows to me, you know, you know, U.S. radio, there is a monopoly in U.S. radio, right? Clear Channel it owns a monopoly in, 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 uh, in U.S. radio. But it also shows to me that this battle that, we're, that we see brewing here, how important it is for these companies, because Apple can turn that on to 700 million users and have them download, uh, you know, directed download songs they can influence people's uh, tastes and opinions right just by doing that and i think that that is a powerful power to have on their behalf Boy, is it ever powerful. what's that think about google as an example with youtube yes it's incredible so think of the scale that youtube has and how youtube really is the radio station and the the radio uh the music learning mechanism for the majority of youth in the u.s at least Yep. And if every time you opened up YouTube, you could be exposed simultaneously to Taylor Swift, Ed Sheeran, whatever, happy, whatever the case may be, uh, you know, it's pretty hard to do that with terrestrial means. They've, they've nailed it, though. Like, you know, so Google's getting into radio, so YouTube radio is, is emerging, right? And, uh, but they've, they've really nailed it uh, around uh, their distribution mechanism. So if I look at Facebook, and I think that Facebook is, is you know, should be more influential, right? Because we all spend so much more time on Facebook than we do on YouTube. Um, and, and more of us spend more time on Facebook than, than we do on YouTube. But when I say I, I did this great video, at least I thought it was, we had a very good year of travel last year with my family. It was amazing. And we went to all these different places. And in each place, my kids danced too happy the song right pharrell williams and and we recreated that video with just my kids dancing and all it was it was a lot of fun and then so i compiled all that i you know took my days and weeks to compile this video with happy playing in the background and all these you know shots and, and it was three and a half minutes the length of the song and i posted it up to facebook and what do they do they reject it for copyright infringement right ironic exactly because i was like so i can't do it so what i do i put it up onto youtube 
link into Facebook and YouTube just says, hey, do you acknowledge that this is somebody else's property? Yes. And then they start selling, you know, they'll sell ads for it or, or whatever it is. They find a way around this ridiculousness, which is which is uh, what Facebook did. So I, I think that YouTube, I think that Google gets how to turn revenue on. And I think that that's what's fascinating about what, what Google is doing with Google Radio or YouTube Radio. Do you think that, that it's too late or do you think that they can actually make a dent in this? Oh, I think is putting it mildly. You know, I think the thing that uh, YouTube has that maybe the others don't is it has been commercial from the get-go. They, they are ad-supported. Advertising yes. is the sine qua non of Google. Uh, it's the lifeblood that, that kind of courses through the veins there. So that's one thing. All the others have varying degrees of conflict. No conflict at Google and YouTube. I think they're here to uh, make money via advertising, and they're very clear about that. The thing about um, their content is also, you know, with so much user-generated stuff, they actually have different happy than other people's happy, right? So Pandora and Bell Canada and all the different stations uh, are playing the same version of the song. Yeah. They might have somebody's camera. Right. You know, perspective from something in Hamilton that nobody else has ever heard before. So they have versions of familiar songs that could be really, really powerful, whereas everybody else just has the same thing. And if they can figure out, again, the royalty and the ownership rights and compensation models for that, they would be the player that I would be very, very uh, concerned about if I was everybody else in the field. You know, it's so true. I, I uh, we go to uh, see Blue Rodeo quite a bit. It's a Canadian uh, band. Sure. Um, Canadian legendary band up there with the hip and 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 uh, so there's one song hasn't hit me yet and I film that every single show that I go to and for the most part I pop them up onto YouTube so I've got a collection of that song but you're right it's a very unique interpretation we saw them at the Black Sheep Inn which is this tiny little bar up in Wakefield uh, Quebec it seats like 40 people and they did a, a, a warm-up show that I managed to get into. And it was just like 40 people jamming with Blue Rodeo on stage. And it was absolutely incredible. But there, nobody has that film, right? Maybe one of the other 40 people. But YouTube, right? That is powerful. That is powerful. Yeah. Oh, man. I have to I have to ask you about technology because you mentioned uh, in dash, which is I think is going to be killer. There's a couple of other pieces of technology that are emerging right now, and, and we're starting to see the in dash roll out, right? And the integration with with uh, Apple uh, CarPlay, we're starting to see it built into the uh, to the dashboards we've seen for quite some time. Uh, but that's one thing that obviously is going to change the world. We talked about that. Is there any other technology that you think is going to have a material impact? on the way that we consume this stuff going forward that's going to have an impact on, on distribution? Yeah, I mean, I think the, and I hate uh, this expression, so forgive me, <laughs> you know, the Internet of Things, which is to say that basically anything that can be plugged in can be connected, Yes. Uh, I think is going to be massive for audio, and audio above all other media. And I think that's the really big, big thing to get your head around is, you know, I will probably not watch the Grammys uh, on my toaster, but if my toaster were playing my morning radio show or were able to play my Spotify playlist, why would that be a bad thing? So you get into both the form factor of audio being quite simple relative to video, and you get into the idea that 
audio is something that you can do passively or actively. So while you're making your eggs, you can be listening to the radio. Whereas if you're, uh, you know, watching a video, you're probably not making eggs or else maybe you're burning the house down. Mm -hmm. So this idea that audio can be 360 degree audio, it can be everywhere that you are on any device that is capable of taking a current. Wow, really interesting, right? And I think that's something that is going to be really massive, massive for audio. And it's already starting, but it's going to just scale and scale and scale. Totally, totally believe you. I skied just yesterday with a good friend of mine, Andrew Milne, um, who runs like a digital agency, and he's, uh, he's a snowboarder, and he's got a helmet with a Bluetooth set, which you know interfaces with uh, with his iPhone and Siri, and he can get phone calls and and music, and and he's he's completely connected within his headset, right, and uh, within within his helmet, and that's just that's just a simple example of the things I use my Pebble watch in the shower with my Bluetooth speaker, my iPhone to skip music, right, that I don't like from, you know, from my uh, digital radio stations, right? So it's like, you're right, these are simple use case scenarios, but it is going to blow up. And yeah, IoT is not a great term, but it's... Uh, it's a horrible term, but it, 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 it is what it is. And it, I, But I think it's a very real and powerful thing. Another thing, you know, that you mentioned there, we mentioned a couple of times, and maybe it's a good kind of closing thought for people, and that is the kind of the primacy and the intimacy of audio. It's different than radio, it's different than reading. When there's this very, you know, you mentioned Springsteen. If you're listening to a song, Reno, mm -hmm. by Springsteen, uh, it's in your headphones, you can be on the train, you can be at the gym, you can be uh, anywhere, you can be at your desk, and it's really as though it's you and him listening to a story and the whole world is just faded Shut away, up. right? Yep. So Serial, the podcast, was a remarkable example of that where it just consumed everybody and you could see people were like the walking dead around here because they were all listening to it and they just couldn't, I mean, it just, <laughs> like, just wrapped their head up. And that's what makes audio so cool is it's so intimate, it draws you in and it just really, you can shut the world out and it's, such a, a relief in the world that's so frenetic all the time where if you can just get a little respite where you just have that song or that audio content, that story, and you're listening to it, it just, everything else melts away. Man, that is a great way to end this, Patrick. I don't, I don't want to say another word. I just want it to fade. Let's talk about Al Corazon some more. Okay, exactly. I, we'll, uh, we'll end with that. Uh, Pat, where should uh, so where should we be sending people? Just to TritonDigital.com? Is that the best place to go to? It is indeed. Yeah, other than BruceSpringsteen.net, I think that that's probably the next best place to go is um, is TritonDigital.com. That actually redirects to Triton Digital. So. It does. <laughs> so you might as well just one way or the other. bypass the whole thing. Go to TritonDigital.com. And as I said, this is the fourth time that Patrick has been on, on Tether.TV. So if you like this kind of conversation, you should go back and listen to our serial podcast. This is the fourth episode of the Rob and, actually, Rob and Patrick show. So please go and uh, search that up. I'll include them in the show notes, obviously, for this one as well. It links out to the other three episodes. Patrick, always a pleasure, man. I really appreciate this time that we get to spend and catching up with uh, the world of what is now the radio and digital distribution and, and radio world. So thank you very much for doing this. It's always an enormous pleasure for me. So thanks for having me again. Been speaking with Patrick Reynolds, who is the Chief Strategy Officer for Triton Digital. Go to tritondigital.com, tritondigital.com. 
Folks, thank you for listening to this. Hopefully you have tuned everybody out. You haven't bumped into anything, but you've tuned everybody out and you've listened to this because there's been some great nuggets in here, great insight from Patrick. And I thank you for tuning in, Patrick. And thanks again for being on the show. Cheers. See you later, everybody.